Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. We are thinking about being good gift givers, what that, what that means. What's it mean to give gifts? What's it mean to receive gifts? Ultimately, we want to please God. We want to please God. So Matthew chapter 2, I'll just read verse 11 tonight. We spent some time a couple weeks ago on the history, and then we really kind of dove into the gold and that aspect. And so I won't spend a lot of time working back through the story, but if you'll allow me, I want to talk tonight about frankincense and myrrh and kind of how that applies to us here. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Okay. Uh, I want to pray, but I want to pray on this as my lead-in tonight. God likes to receive things from us. He likes to receive things from us. From this story with Him as a child, the precedent was set. And I, I want to give God good gifts. All right? Does that make, is that all right? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for our time together. I pray that you would bless this opportunity. Help me to be anointed to speak. Help me to teach with wisdom and with clarity. I want to do it in such a way that I don't put anybody to sleep here tonight. But I want you to help us that we would learn from your word, that we would be engaged and encouraged by our time in the text tonight. I pray your blessing upon every individual that's here in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. All right, so let's start tonight with frankincense, and we're going to talk there on your handout. If you didn't get one and you want one, you raise your hand, they'll, they'll bring one to you, or somebody can fold one into a paper plane and throw it your way. Let's talk about the what and the why of frankincense. By definition, a vegetable resin, brittle, glittering, bitter taste used for the purpose of this sacrificial fumigation Exodus chapter 30, called Frank because of the freeness with which when burned, it gave forth or gives forth its odor. It burns for a long time with a steady flame. Now listen, that's all a preacher needs right there. <laughs> it burns with a long time with a steady flame and it gives off a strong scent. It is obtained by successive incisions in the bark of the tree. Now, there's a, a couple of different ways of looking at this and a couple different um, types, the gum and or the more runny uh, liquid there. But either way, we understand that frankincense had a very critical place in Scripture, and it was, in fact, one of the gifts that was brought. Which particular substance and the way... Um, it has been a little bit debated, but we know that it was brought by the wise men or the magi, frankincense, unto the young child Christ. 
So I want us to take a little bit of a look at frankincense in Scripture and possibly its application to our life. Again, I want to do this. I, I do not want to bore you. I want to do it in such a way. I, I don't think that Scriptures are accidental. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think text that holds eternal value is accidental. So there's perfect purpose. So we just sometimes have to work through it and dive into it a little bit. So let's look, at, let's look at some of the scriptural context here and some of its reasons. So it was a perfume. Exodus chapter 30. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices. Take steak and anica and galbanum. These sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shalt there be like weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume. Everyone say a perfume. Make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it with very small and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like it unto that, to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. The Lord is setting something up here in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, teaching us some, and we're going to look at that with frankincense and myrrh here tonight, in the way that it was utilized even amongst the priests. Let's look at it used with offerings. Now, not sin offerings, but used with offerings in Leviticus chapter 2, 5, 6, and 24. But 2, verses 1 and 2, And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereon. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and he shall take thereout, is handful of the flour thereof and the oil thereof and the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Leviticus 2. First, Corin First Chronicles 9, 29. That important element for the priest to handle. Some of them also were appointed to oversee the vessels and all the instruments of the sanctuary and the flour the wine, the oil, the frankincense, and the spices. So we're watching here this critical function, this blending together, this perfume that is constructed, this place upon the meat offering, and the, the critical detail with which the priests were meant to handle it. So where does that lead us to? Let's talk personal application. Especially here in December and what we're looking at with good gifts according to the wise men. Read here with me in Psalm 142. What did the psalmist say? Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer 
be set before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let's look at two more and then I, I want to flesh this out just a little bit. Revelation chapter 5. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, every one having harps. And the golden vials, full of the odors, full of the odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation 8 brings it up again. Another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Let me tell you something right now. We do not believe in praying to the saints. There is no scriptural context for praying to the saints. I don't know how long I need to park here. Probably not very long. I'm preaching to the choir. Okay? But there is context that when we pray, it rises up before the Lord. Once you release a prayer to the Lord, once you out of a sincere heart, Pastor, are you talking about prayer on Sunday night? Are we doing this again? Hey, I, this is where we're at. This is what the studies shows. Once you release a prayer, how many are glad that if you'll pray it in sincerity, it'll get higher than the ceiling <laughs> and it'll last longer than the night? But I believe that before the throne, hmm, I believe that there are, there are those odors. There is that being wafted up and lifted up before the Lord. I want my prayers and the prayers of the saints, I, I, I want them mingled together. I want them mingled with this with this truth, the same way that frankincense was built per, per that perfume and that, that sweet, it literally frank. Incense. That's what it is. We run it together. Frankincense. It's frank incense. It is a strong smell, long lasting, uh, steady burn. It is a part of a continual rising with frankness, literally, before the Lord. I want him to recognize that we carry that attribute of a sweet and a strong and a consistent scent of prayer. I don't want to be a church where sometimes the incense is evident and sometimes it's not. I want to flesh this out just a little bit. I want to be a church of consistency. Amen. I want to be a church of consistency. I don't want to be a church that some weeks we love souls and some weeks we're just grouchy. <laughs> some weeks we believe in prayer. Wow! And some weeks we just don't. How many know that we as individuals can be inconsistent? Yes, you can. 
Some of you, some of you have a favorite department store. Some of you men have a least favorite. How many ladies you have? <laughs> There's this one store every time we're in visiting my parents, my wife likes to go to. And when we walk in the store, there's someone playing the piano. To her, that sounds classy. To me, it sounds expensive. <laughs> I can remember being younger and I'd walk in and there'd be all these like elder gentlemen, at least to me, they were elders, sitting around, around the piano. Now when we go, one of the first things I want to do is just go sit by the piano. I knew what they were doing now. They were defeated. That's what they were. <laughs> you walk into that department store, it smells nice. No one goes there because it smells like eggs and onions. They go there because when you walk in, it's consistent. If you walk in that department store right now, it would have its Christmas decorations at best. The fragrance in there would smell good. Every person working would have a big old smile, a smile that says, I want to help you, a.k.a. I'd like to take commission from you today. But it's intentional. Everybody say intentional. It's intentional. The tabernacle was built around being intentional. Why did they bring frankincense unto Jesus? It was symbolic in nature. But I will tell you, there are some studies that say at this point in time that frankincense and myrrh especially were possibly worth more in value than the gold itself. Now, not today, except for some of you that are a little too into essential oils. And that's another whole lesson. <laughs> We're going to do that around Halloween. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm having fun. My wife, I'm going to get in trouble for that right there. We have to be intentional. Let's talk about the steadiness of that flame. You have got to live in a way that the fire of your Christianity and your love for God is not easily extinguished. We just have to. Brother Massengale, that is not an easy thing, though. That is not an easy... Can I be very... I hope I can just be very raw with you tonight. I talked to my wife on the way here. Got a call today. They've called family in. My uncle been placed on a ventilator, and they have called family in. It is a very devastating situation. I called my wife. I said, this is my first time as a pastor where my mind is completely distracted to go in and teach. And I know I've spent, I mean, I've spent hours working through this and trying to study because I believe in it. And then I came back to this point that we have got to be a steady. How many believe the Lord gives and the Lord takes away and blessed be the name of the Lord? Do I think that God can heal? Yeah, I do. But I also know what I just preached on Sunday. I believe that He is the giver and He is the taker. And it's all in His hands. And I can't, I, I really don't know what will be on the morrow. But I do know this. He holds it. I do know this. He holds tomorrow. And so here's what I want. I want whether it's good by my idea 
or negative by my idea, whether it's the way I would draw it up or not. I want like a gift that I present to God, something that would say, hey, this may smell strong and it may smell a little bit sweet, but if you mix it correctly, it will burn well and it will burn consistent and it will stay long. It has value. I want the gift of my worship to have longevity. I I want the gift of my praise and my life. I want it to be consistent through the ups and through the downs. I want it to be a flame that is not extinguished every time the wind of life blows. Mm, I feel something right there. Every, Every time the cool wind of December blows or the distraction of the season or the craziness of COVID, every I don't want a flame in my life that every time there is a uh some kind of a distraction, I don't remember that song we sang when we were kids, don't let Satan. Yeah, we were just children, but you know what, every now and then we got to be reminded of that, that we, we need the flame of our life, the flame of our Christian lifestyle to be consistent, okay? Be consistent. Be consistently kind. Be consistent with your praise. Be consistent with your worship. Be a consistent gift giver to God. Being a good giver to God is not based on whether or not you are rich or poor. Okay? Well, I can't give good gifts because I don't have a lot of money. One lady threw a couple mites in and gave more than everybody else. It is not about the amount. It is about the integrity of the heart. It is about why and how that you give. I've had people that have have came to me and said, Pastor, I feel bad. I cannot give that kind of time. God knows what you can give. There's no, no, I don't want one person, listen, with so many things happening with the church, don't make someone feel guilty because they couldn't be. One thing I found, you can't be everywhere. What was it, Brother Barkus? We just had, uh, we just had something last week where there was, oh, we had an event going on here at the church and there was a game going on at the same time. And I, I told one of, the, one of the parents, one of the parents said, I'm so sorry, I wanted to be there, but my kid was here. And I stopped him. I said, we're not going to feel like we have to apologize. I don't want you to feel like you have to apologize. You can't be everywhere. The signs of a healthy church is that there's enough taking place. You can't be at everything. It's true. Just wherever you are, be consistent. Whatever you're doing, try to be godly. My smile can't be there, so take yours. Right? And don't let Satan... Okay? Even if you show up to your in-laws and they give you a terrible gift. I mean a terrible gift. Don't raise your hands. But some of you know. Some of you know going to their house is just a formality. You don't go because they give good gifts. They've never given you good gifts. Sometimes they give you gifts and they wonder, you wonder if they know you at all. Do they even know? I'm shocked. I don't bet they can spell my name. I don't, I, don't, I don't think they can. They give their kid a wonderful gift. Oh, I could have a lot of fun with this right, right now. I could t- as I'm walking down the aisle, some are getting nervous like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. It's always funny, especially for new and younger couples, younger couples that for the first 
time or experiencing Christmas with the in-laws. How many of you remember finding out that your family and their family does Christmas really different? Any of you remember that? And your spouse thinks that those traditions are great? Go with us. We're all going to go caroling. What do, you, what do you mean? Like we're going to walk around. We're going to sing in front of people's houses. It's going to be awesome. Like outside? <laughs> yeah, what does your family do? We watch the game. Like we, and we eat. And then we take a nap. And then we watch the game. It's an adjustment. It's an adjustment, isn't it? It's a, ba- it's a balance. Life is constantly a balancing act. It's constantly a balancing act. I wish, I wish it was not true. But some of us in this room, we will not get through the rest of December without a strong wind blowing. I wish it wasn't true. But I know how many calls I get on a weekly basis. Brother Ben, somebody in this room, if not multiple people, a strong wind's coming. The resilience of your flame will be tested within the next few weeks. And you got to determine whether your love for Christ is conditional or consistent. Somebody say amen. I want to have a sweet smelling savor before the Lord. I can remember being younger and preaching a message. Brother Titus, funny title. Uh, everyone kind of laughed and snickered when I first said it. But I preached this message when I was younger. Do I smell okay? <laughs> Some smart aleck said, nope. <laughs> uh, do I smell okay? Do I, does my incense, do, does what I lift before the Lord? If he is, if he is concerned, because I get this, I get this, I get this uh, perspective from his word that he is concerned with what I lift to him. It's not just that I lift my hands. It's what is the, what is the truth in my heart when I lift my hands. What, what is non-visible matters. I know, I know that if we're not careful, we judge on the visible. <laughs> You can walk in, you can walk in the door. Brother McDoor, open, open the door. Maybe you hadn't been there all day long, and she's got your favorite meal cooking. You don't need to see the kitchen. You don't need to see it out of the oven. You let something be in the crock pot all day. I've talked about this before. Open the door. All of a sudden in a better mood. What? Carrots? Roast? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, did you see it? No, I smelled it. I'm trying to give you an understanding here. It's not just that we lift our hands. It's not just that we show up. It's, it's not just that we leap or that we clap. It's not just the visibles or the audibles. But there is a part of your life, there is a secret place in your life that is tied together. And when you lift it up before the Lord, I believe that the Lord is taking note. I want it to, I want it to be something He's pleased with. 
Amen. What's the point? Let's talk about the what and the why of myrrh. First mentioned is that principal ingredient. Again, it's a little debatable what and how it looks based on the timing, and I don't want to get into all that. It, I don't know that it matters, but another certain point for the perfume, we see it in Esther and Psalms and Proverbs. Most of us readily accompany it with the anointing of a body according to Scripture. In John chapter 19, we would look at that and the way it was used in the anointing. It was custom of the Jews to give those who were condemned to death by crucifixion that wine that was mingled with myrrh to produce insensibility. It was kind of a drugged wine probably partaken of according to one of the studies that I read by the two malefactors. But when the Roman soldiers pressed upon Jesus, Mark chapter 15 says that he received it not. He would not partake of that. But isn't it interesting? He is comes on the scene as a child and it's presented unto him. It seems to speak to the full circle of his life here that he is there again presented it at the cross. Let's talk here about this myrrh in our personal application or investment and commitment. Look at Genesis chapter 43. We look at a very familiar portion of Scripture, a very important study here about Joseph. Judah said unto Israel, his father, Send the lad with me. We will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. He said, I'll bring him. I'll bring him. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned the second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits. Take of the best fruits of the land and your vessels. Carry down the man a present. A little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, nuts, and almonds. And take, take double money in your hand. And the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Pre-adventure, it was an oversight. Take, it, take that money back, but also you take the now this other money and, and, and it shouldn't have been returned to you. So you give it back. But isn't it amazing that it's mentioned in the redemptive gifts all the way back in Genesis, in the redemptive gifts for Joseph from Jacob or from Israel. It is a timeless gift, again, back to the strength and the significance of it within the day and age. Although it is currently in today's culture still uh, important and has health significance, there was a greater significance here. But it spoke to respect and investment. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, we don't oft talk about those as, we talk about those as characteristics towards one another. But I'm going to tell you, we probably need to consider what those mean towards Christ especially the word respect. We need to respect the presence of God. I had no idea Brother Turner would mention the story that he was going to mention about that. But to respect what it means to be able to freely worship God. I'm big on teaching our children respect. It's good to say, I don't like when kids say, 
Yeah. I'm kind of a yes sir guy. Yes ma'am. Trying to teach that. You say, wow, you're, you're an authoritarian. You're, you're trying to be a dictator. No, I'm not. I'm just living in a crazy, corrupt, perverted world where um, honoring elders has been all but extinguished. And I think, that, I think that we need to establish that. And so I believe in teaching respect. And when it comes to respect, there is no one who deserves our respect like him. And the redemptive properties that this was given with. Yeah, you say, well, it was mixed in among nuts and almonds and spices. And, 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 and if you're like me, you see the money's. How does this even make sense? Understand, this is a timeless gift. It was a gift. It was a gift that a king would have been given in that day. It matters. Following the culture of the day. And for this, it was timeless. It was an investment. Everybody say investment. Now, i got to tell you, this has nothing to do with the kitchen. <laughs> this has nothing to do that's not tied together. This is talking about the way that they looked at this redemptive process for his son. Go with me into this next one, and I'm going to move quickly here. Exodus 30. Moreover, Lord spake unto Moses, Take thou unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, sweet cinnamon, uh, sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and sweet calamus, 250 shekels, of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil, uh, oil, olive, and hen, and thou shalt make it oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And then it talks about walking through the tabernacle and the anointing of, of, of pieces of the furniture. A portion of the holy anointing oil representing the value of not on it, but the importance of what is mixed with it. Let me pause here and let me say this. I know you know this, but I, and I've been harping a little bit on this in the Christmas season of December. It matters what we mix ourselves with. It matters what we engage in. How many know that bitter water and sweet water shouldn't flow from the same place? We've got to be careful what we give to, careful what we mix with, careful what we engage with. That's what I was talking about just a moment ago with our frankincense and when we lift our hands and from a pure heart. That's why I don't want to lift my hands and give Him praise. And it flows from a mouth that can speak with great oratory, the words with eloquence, but it's mixed up inside with a, that at the root of it, there is bitterness mixed in with the myrrh. I need there to be a pure, how many believe we need a pure anointing oil? We need a pure anointing in this hour. We need a pure anointing in this. Man, I feel something on that right there. We need a pure anointing in this. I don't want substitutes. Well, the myrrh's missing. Well, find something else. Oh, no. Well, let's have all of the... Well, I got most. I got most of the things added there. Most of the components. That's not how the Lord laid it out. He laid it out to be completely because it mattered how it was mixed. Careful consideration for what is placed upon the working of the ministry representing a critical value in anointing even the instruments of God's service. Now you've heard me talk about it. And I'm going to land this plane, okay? But listen to me. That keyboard needs to be anointed. 
When that orchestra is up there on Sunday night, Brother Anderson, they've got to be anointed. If you're here and you're in the orchestra, you listen to me right now. If you hit the right notes but you haven't prayed all day, don't come up in that orchestra. We need your anointing. We need that instrument to be anointed. Kenny G can play good. Yes, he can. Some of y'all are like, I listen to Kenny G on the way. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. I'm saying have yourself an anointed Christmas, okay? Let's, get con- let's, let's be consumed with what we're doing. When we get on an instrument, when we get in a microphone, how about this? Don't you want the teachers that teach your kids in class to be anointed? Uh-huh. I want, I want our cameramen, our camera ladies, our sound technicians, our, everyone. You say, well, pastor, that's not, that's not what they were talking about. They were talking about the furniture of the tabernacle for the facilitating of the tabernacle. In the modern tabernacle, I'm concerned with everything we have being anointed, being prayed over, being considerate about what and how and why we do it. Why? Because more important than what gifts we give to each other are the gifts we give to God. The things that we give to Him. Esther chapter 2, Psalm 45, Song of Solomon 4 and 5, they speak to the time and the investment and careful preparation of a bride for a groom or for a king. And I'll, I'll land here. You can look at some of the additional food for thought on your own time. But I want to speak to this time and investment as the final, as the final element. Stand with me here. Time and investment. Myrrh did not just show up. It was extracted. It was extracted. Time was put in. Harvest occurred. They had to know this. Brother Angelo, they had to know where to find it. But it was more than just saying, hey, you can get myrrh there. Seeing it did not make it a reality. There was simply potential. The hard work was in going and extrapolating or working to make what had potential become a reality. Whether they bought it at the market or whether they were at the very front line of receiving or pulling it from the source. I will tell you this. Every person in this building, every person in this building has the ability to give a gift of cost to God. Yes, you do. We can, every one of us, give a gift of cost to the Lord. A little extra of our time, a little extra of our praise, and I want it to have the frankincense of that sweet-smelling perfume. I want it to have the beauty of this anointing. I kind of feel like this this mix of myrrh, this anointing, and I, I haven't fleshed it out very well or thoroughly with the embalming at the body of Christ or the consideration of when they come to Him and the anointing of that body. Remember when they come and Lazarus is, has already been dead and they've said, surely the body, it stinks. 
If you can imagine the smell or the stench of death that would have been mixed with the smell. You try to cover things up there and, and, and to flesh that thoroughly out. But I will tell you, there is a significance in this murder element that speaks to us about death of the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot do it on our own. I cannot, my, the best of my abilities will be woefully inadequate. Oh, but if I can get His anointing on me, if I can get the anointing, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ who lives in me. If I can get into the truth, if I, it's not just that I accept His life, but if I really want to accept His power, I have to accept not just His life, but I have to, Brother Robeson, accept His death. You understand that? The power of the Christian faith is not only in His... Yes, I believe that He walked on water and he, and he did all those miracles and even raised dead. But if I'm going to fully associate with that, I have to follow Him onto that cross. I have to follow Him into that tomb. I have to follow that myrrh onto His body. We like to talk about the power of the resurrection, but there is a part of His life that we also associate with in that death and that burial. Would you lift your hands with me right now? Would you pray this, God? Help me to have anointing in my life. Help me to have anointing in my life. I want every teacher in this room, every person associated with the college or with CCS or with another public school, every person in here that walks onto a job site on a regular basis, I'm praying that you would have an anointing on your life as you interact with men and women. Would you pray that God help me to have an anointing on my life, an anointing in my mind, my heart, my spirit, what I say and what I do to be effective, to be effective for the kingdom of God. I want that frankincense. I want that sweet smelling odor to rise up. I, I want it to work, but I need that anointing in the way that I work and touch others. That, 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 that perfume that is wafting and lifting before you, my prayers that are being lifted up. I, I want that, God. I want that steady flame in my life, but I'm asking that you would help me in the way that I effectively reach and teach and speak and lead. Let there be anointing in my home. Let there be anointing in my family. Let there be anointing in my mind and on my mind and on my heart. Let there be health and strength. Oh, I pray it in Jesus' name.